One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready get 30, ready get 20 20, 20 ready get 20 20, ready get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast. A podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just one pound, and by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast. I am your host Pete Neil and I'm joined today by my ever dutiful colleague Danny Rees. Danny, how are you? I'm spiffingly good Peter on this this lovely summer's June day. How about yourself? No, I'm good mate. I'm good. It's a bit overcast here. It's the I think it's the coldest it's been for a good week or so. So sort of making the most of the coolness. <laughs> we are grateful after a, a stupidly hot weekend. Indeed, indeed. And it was last weekend is what we're here to talk about, because on the 24th, 25th of June 2023, Danny was at Tankfest. Now, Tankfest is like the big event for Bovenden Tank Museum. So it's hosted by the Tank Museum at the Tank Museum. Um, but I don't think from what i've for what i can understand because i never did tank fest or never have done tank fest not of yet anyway um so we we used to do it in the 560th but i i just never went because i think i was always busy doing something else on that weekend but steve steve used to do it i'm sure steve went a couple of times and a couple of uh, of our living history uk colleagues but am i right in saying it's not your run of the mill what we'd call living history event. No, that's, that's just right, really, Pete. It's it's designed mainly for those of you with a persuasion towards vehicles and armor in specific. But a lot of the event is a very it's it's a very corporate feel event. There's lots of arenas. There's lots of talks. There's lots of big armor moving around. Which I think a lot of the tank museum, the tank museum, or tank fest specifically. Is down mainly to that sensational internet game that, that came onto the scene a few years ago, World of Tanks, 
And those of you who've played the game, or those of you who don't know that it's a basically it's a it's a it's a it's like a, um, a tactical game where you play with different tanks, and as your skill and ability goes up, you get other tanks. But this this game has really ignited the younger generation with their interest in World War Two armor. And that's very interesting you say that because whenever there's like a a hit game such as World of Tanks, or you get things like what was back in our day, Medal of Honor, um, or you get like a blockbuster war movie comes out, suddenly all the youth are interested. <laughs> they're all yeah. interested in that one particular subject. Because, um, you know, when those games and that do come out, you always know what the flavour of the month is or the flavour of the year is because... Uh, Depending on what subjects you're doing, you can have uh, like an eight-year-old telling you exactly what's on your display. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, I, it's unbelievable. These kids play this game, and I I know a bit about you know World War Two armor, but these kids now that you've been playing these games, it's unbelievable. They could tell you down to what mark and what variation of Panzer tank it is. You know, I understand what a Panzer is, if it's a Mark One or Two. They know like the smallest details, and it's all down to this game, and it's. The, the Tank Museum have been really lucky with helping develop the game because they've allowed their collection, their running collection, which is unique in the world, really, to be scanned, photographed, engine noises recorded. But they've also been able to talk to the game developers and say, well, they carried 30 rounds of high explosive, 10 rounds of armour piercing. And that's all been put into the game. So obviously now it's been, well, the game's been out for, what, nearly six, seven years now, if not longer. And the Tank Museum has been able to use this to really promote Tank Fest. Um, and to to be fair, it is if you love vehicle, World War Two and post-war vehicle, or even Great War vehicles, it is the event to go to. It's not like your typical classic car gathering where it's parked up like you're in Asda. It, it is. You are hearing the engines running. You're hearing and seeing the massive plumes of smoke. Sorry, it might affect the Greta Thunbergs out there, but there is lots of smoke and diesel and oil being used by these vehicles. And just the smell of all the tanks, especially at the end of the day, they do a massive uh, run in the arena. When you've got 20, 25 tanks all going around and the ground is rumbling, it gives you that little snapshot of what it might have been to be involved in the, the great campaigns of World War II, for example, the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, I've I've had a couple of experiences like that at um some of the events where they've actually where they've had armor. And um yeah, you got something like um oh, I'll try and think what it was now. There was that what tank was it? I wanna say it was a comet come past that late war British tank comet. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh I think that was a it was either at War and Peace or somewhere else. I can't remember where it was, but we were sat in this foxhole and uh, and it was along the main drag and this comet come rolling past and literally everything was just shaking. And I was like, well, that's that's given a little bit of an experience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. And, and you, can, you get to know the engine notes after a while and you can hear when the radial engines fire up at the wartime. You know, for example, they had a, uh, they had the famous... Um, well, famous from the film is probably the reason why Tank Fest does so well as well. Fury, because the Tank Museum provided the Sherman and Tiger 131 for the filming. So it's quite nice seeing that film star tank going around the arena. 
but it is it is it is a good event and i think what they've done now is they've really there's the arena side of it where you've got your tanks rolling around and a small battle and then also the armor test development unit which is a regular army unit down in bovington they're doing all the future trials and stuff like that and they bring out some of the stuff that's being trialed at the moment for example the challenger 3 known as megatron uh, an unbelievable bit of kit. You get to look around them and climb over and have a look with the army with you. And the amount of modern electronics on board, it just is really... You look at a Chally 1, Chally 2 now, and you look at Megatron, the Chally 3, it's unbelievable. And also things like they've got the Foxhounds there and the Jackal. Now, the Jackal was brought out for Afghanistan, and we'll cover that bit with our display in a bit, but they've actually now modernised the Jackal for deployment in northwest europe that's interesting wow to be fair that's yeah that's uh yeah it's a sensible <laughs> idea isn't it <laughs> well, a, a vehicle with no roof that collects water like a bucket in europe doesn't really <laughs> that well oh yeah that's very true so what was you doing there yourself well, our group was doing as we always do this year we were a c company op herrick and telic display team and we were displaying, as those of you who saw us at the Living History UK Festival this year, the global war on terror covering the British, mainly this, this display specifically was the British involvement in the conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq. And we did that mainly with the, using displaying the vehicles that were used by British forces at the time. We did have some small kit displays and we talked briefly about the development of body armor, but the main thing for us was the vehicles as that's what the people there are there to see so we had for example we had an original land rover wimmick which is the gun platform wimmick with a 50 cal on top we had the later version which has got the angled hull um due to the problems with roadside ieds but we also had the infamous snatch land rover owned by a good friend of the channel anthony burrows but we also had uh, some normal land rover 90s but also we had a rapier missile system where did you get the rapier from i have friends in places no a good friend of ours um dave manning who also helps run the wartime in the veil event he actually has many vehicles in his collection and one of them is a complete rapier setup that's mad that is absolutely mad. <laughs> but yeah, with the groups at Tankfest, they're very tightly curated for the display field, is the way to say it. Um, you will not find more than one group doing one thing. For example, we were next door to the World War, the British World War II group, um, World War II Infantry Group, the Su Suffolk Regiment, get it right, um, and they were the only ones doing British infantry. There was a group there doing World War II, well, World War II, World War One, British Royal Artillery, the infamous garrison. Um, there was also one group just doing American, which was nice for a change. We didn't have 20 groups doing American. But I, I do like how the Tank Museum, you have to basically apply for a position to display and you have to go through a process of um, photographs, videos of your group, what we do, how we put it across how many people are turning up. And it's quite nice in a way that on the display field, it's cherry-picked, to just like the Living History UK Festival. 
we had the best of the best and also every group had to have a relationship with vehicles or armor you couldn't go there and say well we're doing the 69th messing repair depot it had to be a unit that was related to vehicles that's interesting that is but yes you know it is a good idea from do because like you already mentioned danny is that you know when we did living history uk festival we we choose who goes and if we don't know who the group is they basically gotta like sell themselves to us to say if we let them come or not um but i think that's good because you know across the board there's so many of these events that we actually go to um where you've got people that are part of groups who are very very good and then you've got the rubbish ones that turn up and it does and it does spoil it like joe public aren't always gonna know um you know they're just gonna see someone in a uniform and they're quite happy with that but then when you get to the people that know especially in an event like this as well you're gonna have people stood there going well who are these lot uh, turned up because they look like they've come off the set of the wild geese to be honest with you yeah. <laughs> or, or the dirty dozen <laughs> the world war one group there were really good because they actually had a lot of the props again it's another famous tank uh connection for the tank museum is warhorse you know they had the, the famous mother tank i think it is the mark five i'm don't get me wrong i'm probably gonna have 70 plays water tanks shouting at me through the microphone now but one they had that there and they also had a lot of the big artillery piece it's pulled up by the war horses you know in the film they had that there and the first war area was all laid out and it, it was quite good having just just one of each so to speak and it, it just i think it just naturally it 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 flows really well and of course you got to think about the punters as well tank fest is sold out every year it is sold out and i'm not talking a you know a couple of thousand on the friday they had sold 6,000 tickets. On the Saturday and Sunday, they sold 9,000 tickets on the Saturday and 9,000 on the Sunday. It's massive numbers. And the people who were there aren't just people in the local area, mum, dad, and three kids who want a day out. I was talking to Can Canadians, American, um, Austrians, uh, some guys from Belgium had come over specifically. And these, I, I always ask people, oh, have you come over for a holiday? It's popping these people had traveled oh, koreans i met some south koreans as well they traveled over specifically for tank fest so they're the sort of numbers that we need for living history uk festival we need more armor than at the festival <laughs> oh, yeah i don't think what space for it to be honest <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's, it's it, it, it amazes me that people have traveled from all over the world and this is not just like one year this is all the i've been doing it since about 2018 every year i've spoke to people from all over the world and, you know last year i spoke to one guy he'd come from texas he'd flown in on the friday night stayed in a hotel that friday night the saturday morning he got a taxi from heathrow to bovington he was looking around the event on the Saturday, but that Saturday night he had taxis back to Heathrow to fly home to Texas. He's got to be some sort of Texan oil millionaire, isn't he? <laughs> no, I don't. I just think he was. He just, I just think he was a normal Fred in his shed who just, you know, he decided on his bucket list was I want to go to Tankfest. Well, fair enough. Well, that'd be massive jet lag though, doing that. 
Well, you can sleep for most of it, but I think... Yeah, uh, you, you can, know, but uh, there's a, you know, you've got the time shift and everything like that. It's like... Yeah, I think it, I think because even in America, in America, the tank museum and the Aberdeen Proving Grounds, their tanks aren't running examples. Where Bovington has the has the their print. The principle of Bovington is the vehicles are they they're they're best displayed when they're running. Well, they are because you can hear the signs. You know, when the Churchill fired up, that thing sounded like a rusty bucket of bolts going down the road. Unbelievable. It was rattling and shaking, but then his little Valentine was cutting round, and it was beautiful sound. Mm. You know, and it's just nice seeing, I say, a lot of the other groups and stuff then, and, and seeing a lot of the German armor, which we don't see really in this country. Because the great thing about Tank Fest is you have a lot of European nations bringing their armor over specifically for it. Like the, the Netherlands army had brought over a chieftain over, and they'd also brought one of their newest vehicles over. Unfortunately, the Nordhound got actually, uh, well, Nashhorn, sorry, I should say correctly, to pronounce it correctly. That was going to come over specifically for Tankfest, but the, the French authorities decided it looked better being sat in Dunkirk dock for the duration of Tankfest rather than actually being released over. So thank you to the French for that one. Uh, we missed out on the Nashhorn for that. Um, hopefully for next year. But then, for example, a good friend of mine, Bass, who lives in Bristol, and his group, now his group is the French Army Reenactment Group. And they brought over, well, Baz has, seems to have good contacts in the French Disposal Services because he brought over an AMX-13. Now, an AMX-13 is a weird-looking thing. It's a massive, I think it's a 105mm gun on the tiniest track in the world. And it was designed, basically, just to be dropped from an aircraft. And then you've got an anti, anti-tank tank, so to speak, that's <laughs> unbelievable. It just goes to show if you're if you're really passionate about vehicles, I think Tank Fest is the place to go, and not even just vehicles. They, you know, they're they're largely sponsored now by Brick Mania, you know the the people who did little Lego model type things, but also you know, the uh, Armatech who make the one sixth scale tanks. Um, that's your Dragon figures type size and your Action Man sized figures. I don't know if I'm going to get shouted at for saying one six is the same as Action Man, but it's they're the little miniature tanks, but how there's some detail in them, you know, down to the individual links and pins and all sorts. But I think it just goes to show, I think especially how much in culture the tank is still remaining. Yeah, and that's really good to see as well. Um, I went to the tank museum last year, uh, back in August, and obviously I was at the height of the summer holidays so um obviously it would be quite full because you've got all the holiday makers that have come down and all the rest of it but yeah it was it was actually quite full and it was really good to see because with museums especially sort of like military museums and that you don't really get it it's like i've been over to duxford and you know going to duxford um i've i've been there and i think i've counted like 20 people sometimes when yeah. I've actually been walking around, but every time that I've gone down to Bovingdon, that you know there is loads of people wandering around any 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 day of the week, which is which is really really good to see. So during the day, then, so what was was the interaction good with the public? Were they you know were these people that um, you know like really knew the stuff, or was it more you know? Oh, what you got here then, sort of thing. 
I think because uh, of the, the, the events, the, the public were all really good, engaging, asking sensible questions, actually willing to listen as well. They weren't just, you know, you t- sometimes you get some public who just want the shortest, sharpest question going and then they wander off. But, you know, I was quite often having conversations for 10, 15 minutes with a member of the public, which is quite strange, really, for a normal event. Um, yeah, then- it is, because you get... Yeah, because like you said, they have one-worded answers, or you get someone who's like who wants to learn lots about what they've just asked you, or you get what I call the look and walk awayers, where they'll just stand there, sort of they'll stand there, look at it, and just walk off. <laughs> they've got some kind of trance, you know. They're staring, they're staring at you in the display like some kind of trance, and then wandering off. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's it's really good, and the fact that the 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 museum as well. They they never stand still. The tank museum. They're always changing their displays. They're always changing their interaction. And it's not what I hate about modern museums, where you've got interactive spaces and interpretive dance areas. You know, it's 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 kitting cases, but displayed logically and professionally. You know, they every time I go in the tank museum, there's always a new display, and I think that's what they put for the actual tank fest itself is they're always changing what you're seeing. They're, 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 they have the lectures um, lecture stage, which is one end of the and one end of the field. Um, I noticed when I had a quick look at the programme that, for example, Kate Adie was given a talk about her experiences travelling with an armoured division during the first Gulf War, and I thought, oh, that's different. You're getting that perspective. Yeah, it's, um, it is really good how they lay Bovindon out, because that's the thing, is like, a lot of museum now are falling foul of, like you said, it's all this interactive nonsense and rubbish being thrown into it, which just takes away the magic of a museum. Um, but like you say, you go to Bobby, it's literally, it is like kit and cases, loads of stuff to see. Plus they got their little dioramas and things like that set up as well. And yeah, so it's, it, you know, it's actually worked with the times. It's got, it's got. I found when I went last year, um, a very good balance of interaction, plus all the old school stuff which people have come to see as well. Yeah. But so with the obviously they got lectures. Then was that was that continuous throughout the day, or was that like three or four per day? I know it was continuous throughout the day. Was literally. It really? when- yeah, literally, when they were wrapping it up at half five, there were still lectures going on then, and it was all different subjects. Right, it was not just purely on World War Two armor. Mm-hmm. There was like the future. Does the tank have a future? You know, and there was in the Kate Adie talk. And last year they had a, a good couple of talks by the, you know, the the famous Bruce Crompton. You know, he gave talks about his restoration projects and, and the struggles of the restorer. So it, it is really good. You know, shame mm-hmm. really. I was far too busy on the pitch to get over and listen to any of the talks. But I noticed yeah, the, the crowds were there and it is good. For, and for another thing as well, which is good about tank fest, event is they have a large restoration hangar. there called the vehicle conservation center. And normally that's not accessible all year round. You can't get in there at all, but for tank fest, they open it all up and they move vehicles. So you can actually wander around some of the back store of the museum, which is, again, it's something that I'm, I'm very, I'm very passionate about so for example the national railway museum in york you can walk around the archive yes it's not presented nicely and it's a lot of it is wrapped up and stored but you can still see these things that you'd never normally see 
Yeah, that's great when I do things like So I remember when I, again, last year when I went, the restoration shed was open. Uh, but unfortunately, I just couldn't get there because there wasn't enough out for me. There wasn't enough hours in the day to uh, get around the whole museum, then to have a quick nose over at the uh, uh, restoration shed because that's where Fury was. And I thought, right, I want to. One of my one of the things I want to take away from this visit is I I do have a look at Fury, but never got there unfortunately. And it was one of those yeah. times because it, it was some holidays, you see, so. Because it was some holidays, they were like, right, some holidays, loads of public here, open the shed up. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so that's that's interesting. They're doing back to back lectures like that, like continuous. But I get what you mean. Um, you know, that's that's unfortunately that's the oh, oh excuse me, I had a tickle in my throat then. Um, because I for us in our game, it's one of these things we could go to like the, one of the best events in the world. But all we're gonna, all we're going to see of the event is like ten square feet of it because we're <laughs> not, because we're not actually leaving the space. Because I've had people come up to me and go, "Oh, have you done this show before?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have done that one." Oh, what's it actually like? What's this? What's that? What's what's all the rest? Yeah, what's what's going on with it? I don't know because all I saw was ten foot of it. All I saw <laughs> was what I saw at night time when I was walking around. Oh, that's why I did that as soon as the, all the punters went and the the the, the, the curate it's quite good because all the staff yeah the security there was top notch I, I cannot fault the security and staff at the tank museum because literally when it was six o'clock the public were being shepherded away type thing you know and it was then it was our time and we literally got time then to run round speak to some of the traders you know I'm, I'm, I'm I might be popping down to Capel this weekend for one day and it's gonna be strange because. I'm going to be on the other side of the wire, and I don't do that normally. Yeah, it is a strange experience. Like when we've gone and done stuff as, um, like, Living History, you can like a couple of these, those sealed knot events that we've done recently where we're just wandering around aimlessly. It just feels very, very bizarre to be on that <laughs> other side of the fence and not actually be doing anything. It is a very strange feeling. Very strange feeling. Um, but also when like, I've done other events as well, when you know, again, where we've been on I've been on the other side of the fence and I begrudgingly pay an entrance fee. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> obviously we never pay an entrance fee because we're part of the show. <laughs> so when someone no, no. turns out to me and says, Oh, that'll be twenty pounds, excuse me. What? <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I've got a wristband, let me in. <laughs> but yeah, so what was the so public were shepherd shepherd out at six o'clock you say so what was the nightlife sort of like? was there a nightlife at all or was it boring well I, in the evenings there was no entertainment there, there was a beer tent but i think the most in, enjoyment was being with our own little groups and you know sitting and having a curry from the local curry house and just all sitting and being together and then you know we had the freedom to wander around and have a look at the tank park and Go and have a look at the vehicles up close with no public in the way, um, and then just having a wander around. It's basically a chilling weekend. It's quite a strange one because it's not it's not busy in the evening. There's no beer tent nightlife. It's just a relaxing one and just catching up with good friends. They could have put summer on in the evening if they're getting that if they're getting that quantity of punters through the door. They could have put something on for the traders and the exhibitors and that. For the for at least for like for the Saturday night or something like yeah, that. They could have done I think, uh, they could have done yeah. summit like for you. you know I what think, I mean? I think a lot of the entertainment though 
uh, was for the actual vehicle crews and the actual regular tankies because I know the the Dutch have they usually have a barbecue, but this year they couldn't, so they they went and hired one of the local pubs, I believe, and then they had a party over there. Yeah. So I think Dom. Oh. No, no, I I think most of it though is little parties in everyone's little group, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not night owls anymore. So, you know, when it's coming to half ten and everyone's yawning, it's like, oh, should we just go to bed? Um, but I know one of our members, your number one fan, Mr. Hooper, <laughs> who was with us, was uh, enjoying the nightlife with the Navy. Of course he was. He's a young lad. Of course he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we were all young once. And now we're all broken and just want our bed at half ten. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can use, I can usually push the limits at events. <laughs> Quarter to eleven. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so without all that uh said and done then, when did you actually leave? Because you stayed didn't you day after? You left the day after, didn't you, when it was all done and dusted, didn't you? Yeah, it's kind of like a little tradition and what we do. Because Tank Fest normally falls on the weekend of Glastonbury. So you can imagine what the roads are like. Oh, it'd be horrendous, oh, especially that neck of the woods. And we're always, okay, okay, we're not going down in modern cars. We're always taking Land Rovers and trailers, and they don't like being stuck in traffic. So what we do is we stay over to the Monday, and we look around the museum in the Monday morning. We have a good, good fry up in the museum cafe, then we take a slow bimble back. So, but some of our members, for example, Ant, he goes from, and I noticed the garrison uh, said it as well. They go, they do tank fest, leave tank fest on the Monday, then go straight to Capel for this weekend. That's some solid dedication there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. But then again, well, no. you've got someone like the garrison. Obviously, they've got all the guns and all that over there, haven't they? So that's probably a couple of days worth of work in itself. Well, I know the Royal Marine Group, the Royal Marine Beecher Commandos, they're going from Tankfest the weekend, Capel, uh, they're going to Chalk Valley in the week, then they're going Capel next weekend. Yeah, that's that, that's that's a show I wouldn't meet, mind being part of, is that Chalk Valley, just at, at least once, just to see what that's all about, Do to do that, yeah, to do that for a week. Because we, well, we used to do War and Peace. And that was like a, a week and a half event for us yeah. uh, back in the day. But, yeah, just to do like a one-weeker again, but a completely different setting because obviously War and Peace was War and Peace. And obviously Chalk Valley is well, really, to be fair, it's probably very much kind of in line with how Tank Fest is because of what they want to achieve from it. Obviously, it's yeah. more of a... Obviously, you ain't got all the armour and all that there, but for the purpose of... Um, the living history side of things. So that's you know that's what they it's want to get. It's a bit like um, you got all we have big... ways fest. Yeah, yeah, we have ways. yeah. It's that, it's that. It's not like your average event. Like I say, like your average event. I'm not saying average, but it's like your village fate type thing. You could be stuck next door to a first world war group, or you could be stuck to a group re- recreating the the Congo. Yeah, um, but this like tank fest is very much like Chalk Valley, which is very much like we have ways. They're very much cherry picked groups. And Living History K Festival, cherry picked to represent a certain thing and not have twenty groups representing Dad's army type thing. Yeah, and like we said at the beginning of the program, and that isn't a bad thing. I don't think personally, because uh, it definitely cuts away the way from the stray, so they say. Um, 
But no, I don't. I'd highly say I'd highly recommend anyone that at least. Yeah, that's that that what I was just about. That was what I was just about to say. So if you've never done, if you if you want to go as a punter or try and get in there as an exhibitor, would you recommend it? Yes, I would. It, it it does take a lot of time. For example, the paperwork for application and doing your photographs and jumping through all the various hoops. You know, it starts in December for me, and and that's December to June until you're told yes, you've got a space. Congratulations, you can display type thing. And I know not a lot of groups would find that very off-putting to be told. Well, you mm. have to apply and wait and be told last minute yes or no if you've got a space. But in a way, it's it's, it's such a, a great feeling when you you've been accepted, so to speak. But I do recommend it. You know, people give it a go to apply to display if they've got. I think the key thing is making sure that your group has a vehicle or armor related aspect it's been say it'd be no good doing the 69th meta repair depot but if for example you were doing something like i don't know mechanized infantry and you happen to have a brengan carrier in your group you're more likely to be accepted or considered for good display well that is a very interesting insight to tank fest thank you very much danny no problem at all. And now I can fully recover and pack all my stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the great unpacking. <laughs> Ready for the weekend after next, where we'll be packing it all again, but for something totally different. Yes, uh, that'll be when we're at Black Country. Doing World War II SAS, which will be a totally different kit bag to chuck in the back of the car. And vehicles. Bring, oh, the, yeah, right, bring the right vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's it's honestly a Land Rover Jeep, honest. <laughs> Danny, thank you so much for sharing your experience with Tank Fest, and um, I'll speak to you soon, mate. Probably sooner than we think. I straight off this podcast. Yeah, probably in the next. <laughs> probably in the next few <laughs> <three> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to all of all of our listeners out there, keep tuned, and you know, hopefully, see you at some events this year. We've got an action-packed calendar coming up with Living History UK but also some other random jaunts we may be going on, but don't feel scared to come up to us and say hello. And, and some, remember just, you know, we're not, we're not scary and come up and say hello and share your passion for history. Absolutely. We got the amount of times that we have people say to us, um, Oh, we saw you at this event. We saw you there. And uh, I'm like, well, we're like, well, why didn't you come and say hello? It was like, oh, didn't want to. Or it was like, oh, you was talking to someone at the time. Well, we don't like continually talk to the same person. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, it's how people are sometimes. Um, but yeah, but please, if you do see us at an event, please, 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 even if you just come up to go, hi, how you doing? <laughs> That's it. You know what I mean? So we'll you know, we'll either just do a quick hello or if we have a full blown conversation, we'll uh aptly do that as well. We'll pass you on to our communications and media expert, Mr. Chuckles. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. on that note, thank you everybody so much for listening. And if you'd like to support us in the podcast, please consider joining our Patreon for as little as one pound a month. But until next time, stay safe and keep history alive. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast 
and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com